Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Welcome to the episode of the Nonprofit Exchange that's ensuring that your nonprofit gets funded. For more information that will help you be a better leader, read Nonprofit Professional Performance 360 magazine. Go to nonprofitperformance.org, nonprofitperformance.org to get subscribed for free. Read it online or get it in your mailbox. Today's interview with Ryan Donaldson was conducted by one of our Wayfinders at Center Vision Leadership Foundation, Russell Dennis. Uh, we uh, had some technical glitches. We finally got together, and so the interview begins with uh, Ryan logging into the interview, which was broadcast live on our Tuesday series, The Nonprofit Chat, and on Facebook. So here's Russell and Ryan in the interview. Just to give you a little bit of information about Ryan before he does join us, uh, Ryan Donaldson's the vice president of Alliance Partnerships at R&R Resources, LLC. And this is a company that matches people that are doing sponsorship on a huge level to the tune of over a billion dollars. This company has done building relationships between uh, event producers and nonprofits, creating the types of, of synergies and marriages together to help pull these events off. So uh, he's here to talk to us about taking four steps that will ensure that your charity gets funded. Um, And that includes ways to leverage and build relationships uh, to create win-win, to create wins for all of the people that support us. Uh, Doing that in a way that's authentic, doing it in a way that's effective. Uh, And when you're effective at managing your relationships, you improve your recruiting whether that's for board members, advisors, uh, staff, servant leaders, um, you, you, you attract more people to your cause. And so uh, we will be looking for Ryan to call in. And we've got some very interesting questions. And there's some questions that we put up. He was put up some questions uh, for this week. And so uh, those questions, uh, the first question, uh, talks about uh, relationships being a critical part of building any organization. Uh, And why do so many people struggle with it? That's one of the the questions that comes up for us. And so uh, Ryan Donaldson is on his way um, to come join us. And I'd like to give a shout out to Doyle Davis, who is here. joining us uh, here in the nonprofit chat. Doyle has done work with Jobonomics, a a veteran employment reporting agency. They do a lot of things. He's doing great work out there with Chuck Ballmer. Uh, Sandy Birkenmeyer, who is one of our regulars here. I don't know who has joined us uh, in Facebook. We've got a number of people uh, here as far as I can see. So uh, we're out here and and just uh, uh, having a little trouble, I think, on Facebook Live. But uh, uh, hopefully uh, we'll get that little technical glitch dealt with so that we can bring folks in uh, on Facebook and find out uh, what happened. (laughs) Anyway. Let's uh, look at that, and we will move forward. Uh, These technical things do uh, take place once in a great while. So getting back to the the business of building strong relationships, uh, it looks like we have Ryan here. Can you hear me okay, Ryan? Can you hear me, Ryan? 
Oh, okay. Okay, I can see Ryan, but I I don't hear him. He's not muted. There I am. Ah, welcome, welcome. Uh, I told him a little bit about you uh, briefly, and I've had a few minor uh, technical things. We've got a few thunderstorms out uh, out this way, so I've had a, a little bit of a uh, of a problem with Facebook. I'm trying to get uh, get the Facebook live. Uh, broadcast streaming again, but I told them, I gave them a brief intro about you. Uh, so why don't you tell our, our viewers a little bit about yourself a little bit more uh, so that they can get to know you. Oh, thank you definitely for having me. And uh, I really look forward to this. As far as me, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty simple guy, I feel. I graduated a little early from uh, high school so I could join the army. And uh, Served a little bit there, then came back and uh, worked really hard, worked my way out of a warehouse to a sales office, from a sales office into a marketing office. And um, I just, I've really had a great experience uh, all along that way. But right about when I was 20, I made my first million dollars and I, uh, I decided that there was a lot more that I wanted to get into. I started going to a lot of business colleges and around the same time I started helping out with a couple different charities raising sponsorship, specifically the Child Protection Education of America, which helps find missing children in America. And um, that, was, that was a blast, really just wonderful people. And while I was doing that, I started really getting into the sponsorship industry and you know, I've never really looked back since. There's, I've, I've continued my, my education and business and, and really grown. And, um, you know, I've been part of several boards and several companies since then, but uh, you know, I just sponsorship is really where my heart's at. Wonderful. Yeah. And I was telling them that, uh, that some of the, the sponsorships that you've done at R&R Resources LLC been very effective at that, building those connections to the tune of over a billion dollars, which is very, very impressive. And, so, uh, and I did mention that. So, uh, mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we engage with a lot of different brands. I think, uh, you know, the r and Resources as a, as a company kind of was a fused together of multiple other companies with a, a long, successful track record. So um, very, you know, the, the r and Resources had yet to, to complete its first full billion dollars, but it's well on its ways to do so. You know, we're pretty actually confident in being a, a $5 billion company by 2020. So we're, we're excited. That's that's a very lofty goal and one that's really worth reaching for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so in terms well, of... Yeah. Mm -hmm. r Resources does a little bit more than just sponsorship. You know, we, we handle a lot of uh, funding and finances for uh, a lot of different projects, television shows and all of that. But sponsorship ended up being our main vehicle. So uh, we just kind of really focus on that. It helps more people. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, of course, uh, you know, that's just one of the vehicles that nonprofits can can use. Um, uh, but, you know, like anything else, the, all of these are built on relationships. And so yes. uh, there's a lot of ways to leverage relationships and, and they're critical to any type of organization, no matter what that is. Um, uh, so why why? In, in your travels, having put these things together for a lot of uh, charity type of, uh, uh, events, uh, why do you think so many nonprofits are, are bad at, at, at relationship <laughs> building? What are, what are some of the things you're seeing out there that, that are challenges for them? Oh, well, so um, the biggest thing that I see and, and that I consistently have always seen always starts with how the conversation even begins. You know, relationships are definitely what 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 raise money and, and get funding and uh, allow you for sponsorship and donations. But the biggest thing that people forget is the people who they're reaching out to out of out of hand. They're not interested until you're interested. It's a completely different conversation to say, hey, you know, I'm a really cool dude and I really think that you should really like my my project, you know, we're doing great stuff. They'll go, cool, that's awesome. You keep doing that awesome thing that you're doing. Because it, it's, uh, in many, many ways, it's this very prideful, 
self-focused, uh, narcissistic conversation. Uh, and that's true regardless of the size of the company you're engaging with. But it's a completely different thing to reach out and try to understand the people who you're seeking sponsorship from. You know, if you, regardless if it's a Coke or a mom and pop or whatever, everybody has their own stuff that they're doing. And the, the hallmark of a relationship is forgiveness. But one of the ways to showcase how strong your relationship is, is when you can simply say, hey, what's going on over at Coke? You know, I noticed that I saw some stuff about Zero that you, Coke Zero that you had posted. I know you're spending advertisement over there. What are you guys doing? And, and how can we be a part of supporting your ideals? We know that you're philanthropic. We know that you're great people. So how can we, how can we help further that mission? And yes, we absolutely have an event or a charity or something that we feel is synergetic with your goals. But you know, we're making assumptions on what your goals are. What are your goals? And that's, that's, it's a completely different conversation. If you don't know, like if you have a donor or you have a sponsor or a funder and you can't tell me that you've ever had a conversation like, hey, do you golf or do you have dogs? Are you a dog person? Are you a cat person? Are you beer or are you wine? You know, if you haven't, if you don't know any of those key important pieces of information about them, you're not really interested in them. You're interested in their money and they know that. They feel that. So do you do you think that in large part we owe that to a true lack of interest or do you do you think that there's a, there are a lot of people out there who genuinely lack the knowledge to actually go out there or maybe there's some type of barrier of fear that makes them feel like they're being nosy or uh, do you think some of that comes into play? Oh, sure. I mean, I, th I think that all, ev everything that you just said, you know, are, you know, they're not really that different of a thing. You know, um, you can be, you can be kind of self-focused out of respect to yourself, which is the kind of the positive way where you're, you're, you're focused on trying to better yourself so you can bring more to people around you. That's the healthy version. The unhealthy version is, you know, if you are ignorant, you know, if you are ignorant in such a way that the people around you are, let me just move over here for a second. We're, we're trying to resolve some technical issues. Uh, if you're ignorant in such a way that the people around you don't realize, like you just don't realize that they even could possibly have needs. If you, you don't know thing about things like ROI or, uh, you know, about, you know, how their marketing department works. And usually you haven't even thought to ask. Mm -hmm. I was on a sponsorship phone call for a television show recently and the the entertainment industry very different than the nonprofit charity uh world but and there's a lot it's not even subtleties we're talking night and day differences hmm. and um i it became very very aware that the other people who were on the call had never engaged in that area before and sometimes it's the corporation that needs a little bit of education sometimes it's it's the, the charities that need a little bit of education but Generally, you can't go wrong if everybody is going to kind of collaborate on making sure that everybody knows what everybody's supposed to be getting, you know, from the conversation, but uh, is also really focused on each other's interests, kind of a collaborative mindset. Yeah. Now, this is true. I mean, I run into cases where I've seen people at organizations that are providing what I consider to be valuable services, but they're social workers. And so... They are uncomfortable. They're, they're not used to talking about anything in terms of value. And they mm -hmm. provide a valuable service, and the opportunity is to create value. And that's what they do. That's what a business is created to do. But nonprofits, when you really think about it, they're created to do the same thing because they're creating measurable differences in the lives of other people. And, and shifting them from one place to another. Uh, and that's what, what, uh, what the real definition of impact is. It's really making a measurable shift mm -hmm. in the lives of, of other people and bringing them to outcomes that are different from where they are. And I think a lot of focus today with nonprofits uh, isn't really on giving people a fish, but teaching them how to fish. So it's really trying to to make an, an impactful shift, just continuing to, to give people things doesn't necessarily bring them to a new place. 
But if you can give them a set of tools and show them how to use those tools to bring their lives to a different point, they become self-sufficient. So I, I think there's a lot of focus for nonprofits on that. But to have a social worker sit down and talk to you about value, they just, they just don't know how to have that conversation. <laughs> and so uh, they may really have valuable programs and things to offer, but they don't know how to sit down and talk to a corporate sponsor. Uh, mm -hmm. It's kind of what Bernie Dorman, uh, CEO of uh, CEO Space, uh, founder of CEO Space, mm -hmm. You know, in a lot of conversations with Bernie when it came to raising capital and, and getting resources for nonprofits is similar in a lot of ways. He talked about getting stuck in what he called the dolphin story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, yep. uh, you know, heartstrings and having uh, uh, sensitivity and empathy for where people are is very important. But I, I think that... There's something else that he also teaches about mm -hmm. when he's when he's talking about raising capital that really applies to the charity world and really applies to sponsorship um, that I don't really often talk about a whole lot, but specifically in his his capital raising class, which I have taken, uh, I believe, 10 times. Uh, it's very quality. Uh, he talks about not spending, not spending the money and um, there's there's a right and a wrong way to do it for sure. But in sponsorship, the, every time you spend money, just like when you're in a capital raise, anytime you spend money, you're spending away leverage yeah. and you're spending away the security that the actual production is going to happen, whether your production is a nonprofit, a nonprofit charity like a 501c3 mm -hmm. or it's an event that you're doing that's going to help people save lives, a financial literacy training like a lot of, I've seen a lot uh, being started in Chicago lately. Anytime that you spend that money, you're giving away leverage anytime that you utilize the name of your sponsors in a way that is inefficient for, you know, branding messages and all that kind of stuff. You're also spending your leverage because it's, you're utilizing it for no net return. So, uh, that's, you know, Bernie Dorman, very brilliant man and, uh, definitely gives some, some top level training. Yeah. And it's really important because you're borrowing the credibility of these, uh, uh, these corporate entities that, uh, that are working with you. So it's pretty important to, uh, oh, mm. yeah, we, we just got a question. I just heard from uh, Doyle Davis, and, and he just, he's got a question. What do you mean when you say spending your money? Is the question that Doyle has. So speaking specifically around sponsorship where they give you money. Um, and I'm not talking about, you know, so they're, they're definitely just to make sure that everybody who's viewing is on the same page. There are definitely two different, you know, two different avenues, product sponsorship or the in-kind sponsorship where you're getting things, ideally stuff that you can use in return for sponsorship, credibility, love, that kind of thing. Uh, if you're doing an event, you're getting your stage sponsor. That's one thing. Um, but usually most, most people who are being sponsored, what they could really use is capital in order to accelerate their mission and what they're doing. Now, most people immediately upon getting sponsorship dollars in go and spend the sponsorship dollars for the things that they need. That's a huge mistake. It's a huge mistake. And a lot of people, especially people with big boards that aren't really supporting the project, aren't really doing anything until money comes in, they immediately try to pay people out in hopes that those people, those exterior sources will bring in more funding and that never happens either. But if you store it, if you, if you, if you take that leverage, you have a, you know, you've got a business bank account, you're doing everything compliant. And I'm not saying, you know, you're becoming profitable or anything like that, but like literally if you don't spend the sponsorship money that comes in, you're more likely to get more sponsorship money. And I, I know it, it's a strange thing for a lot of people that wouldn't really necessarily think about that in the sponsorship world, especially in event management. Um, you know, if you're doing a sponsored event or production or, or even in cases, a charity, you know, you expect that you immediately spend that, the, the charity money, uh, by not immediately going out and spending it and being patient with it. Uh, you'll actually attract way more sponsors because they know that the impact that they can expect to happen in the community, for the example, financial literacy in Chicago or, um, 
you know, WBTVN, which is a women's broadcasting television network, you know, they have to spend a much larger sum of money to be able to help, you know, all of the, the networks and all that at once. So you know, the yeah. goal is to not spend it. Yeah. And I think the thing that, that is really kind of important to highlight uh, is, is to look at what a sponsorship is in comparison to a donation. So mm -hmm. when someone yes. makes a donation to a nonprofit entity, those funds are given over in support of the cause so that you, you can, you can uh, do whatever it is that you want to do. Private donations are really great because there are funds that are very flexible. So when you get a grant, for example, or you take some sponsorship uh, money, uh, you have agreed to hit certain targets when you get a grant, whether that's from a private foundation or from the government. You've, you've stated a purpose that you're gonna use that money for. So these are what you call restricted funds because they have to be used for the purpose that you stated they would be used for. Now a sponsorship comes in, in, in several forms. There are the in-kind forms where you get services or products. Then you get cash. Now, when you connect with a sponsor and you get a sponsorship, the nonprofit is promised to deliver something to the sponsor for that right. cash or those services received. You're making some type of a measurable impact. In a lot of cases, uh, they're looking to build goodwill that they can't buy with Madison Avenue spreads. You know, that money invested in a good cause with the good word of mouth, plus the size of the nonprofit's audience is a huge factor. They want an opportunity to be placed in front of people who are potential customers, uh, who can talk about their brand with some intelligence, build that goodwill, there is some type of value that is specifically agreed upon yes. that the nonprofit is going to provide that sponsor in exchange for that support, whether it's dollars, whether it's media, uh, and it varies. And there you can have almost anything under the sun sponsored, mm -hmm. but sponsorship is a value for value exchange. I will do, I promise to do, if you will support me with. So there's a value exchange there. Now with a donation, somebody says, I love what you are doing. I want to help you do that. They give you cash to help you do that. And with grants and other things, people actually are looking at how much of this money goes to the people you're trying to serve. Uh, but you know, no, no organization, no services. We have to keep the lights on. We have to bring in more than we put out. Otherwise, there's no organization and there's no service. You have to operate at a surplus. So that's that distinction between uh, uh, what a donation is or something that is given versus a sponsorship. So I, I hope that that, that, uh, that can uh, clarify uh, that concept for anybody that might uh, might be uh, confused about it, if there's any confusion or more questions. So, you know, you can ask questions in the chat area. We're on Facebook, too. Um, and we've got some other questions. Uh, feel free if you're on Zoom, uh, by all means, please. Uh, uh, um, so yeah, and so yeah, we we'll have a conversation, I guess, a little bit about that going forward. So one thing that I want to comment on that because I know that the, the a, a direct example would probably be much more useful um, of of how I'm talking about it, especially in in relation to when you would stack, like when you would hold money specifically in a sponsorship situation. Let's say hypothetically, and this is I say hypothetically, but this is a real thing that happened. Uh, let's say that you had an award show uh, out of out of uh, Chicago, yeah. and in that award show, you wanted to attract a big name person. Now, let's say you're a smaller charity, right? 
reasonably when you're doing an event, whether it's a charitable event or otherwise, or you have a direct charity that's affecting the community, the people who you can expect to get money from are not Coca-Colas. No. They're not Radio Shacks even. They're the local people within 10 miles of, 10 mile radius of the event location or the charity's home base mm -hmm. or the community in which it serves. So understanding that usually the money that you receive is within 10 miles, and we're not talking about grant government money. You know, the, the people who think that they're going to receive a benefit for giving you a value for giving you money. Mm -hmm. If you want to attract somebody like a Coca-Cola, a PepsiCo, uh, a, um, a Nike, or a bigger name, uh, Under Armour, any of those wonderful people who have very strong philanthropic departments who very much so care about sponsorship, but honestly, they're really doing it for the philanthropic reason. They just want to get a good ROI. What you can do in order to get there and become for lack of a better term, sexy to these people mm. is to say, you know, I've already got X amount of money from these people. We're not spending any of it. And the reason why is because we know that every thousand dollars that we spend is going to help somebody who's a victim of domesticated violence, teach financial literacy, you know, utilize these relationships in order to cause this great effect. And the more money that we spend at once to do this, the greater of an effect that happens. Well, suddenly that's a game changing conversation. If you, don't, if you go out and immediately spend that money to give those homeless people those shoes right out the gate, you know, and you're not really, you know, you're not making sure that the, any money that you take in is an accelerator for your charity, but that you're just spending it out the gate, you'll never have the money to make the strong impacts and attack, uh, uh, attach yourself to the bigger brands, the bigger names. You'll be spending the majority of your time as a charity trying to scale up slowly with these really, really tiny, minute baby steps versus being able to come forward and, and really come out with something strong. So it's about stewardship and actually yes. uh, conserving that money so that it makes a bigger impact later. Patience, yeah. Patience and stewardship for sure. Awesome. Yeah. So our second question Mm -hmm. uh, is what would you say are the fundamental building blocks of relationships in business and, and how does each one of those building blocks fit in the process? So I want to make sure that I restate that question. I want to make sure I understood it correctly. You were asking fundamental building blocks. For, uh, for relationship building, whether it's yes. a, a business or a nonprofit, what what are those fundamental building blocks for strong relationships, and how does each one fit into that process? So, so like a puzzle, you can kind of break it down into four major corners, and just the same way that you would build a puzzle together, you find those four corners, you build in the wall, and you build everything inwards from there. Those four, uh, those four corners, as far as how we utilize them in sponsorship. Are all start with R, and literally one of them starts is relationship, but it's specifically about how you're become being relevant to them. Um, it's one thing to say, "Hey, I'm interested in your money," or "Hey, I saw that cool thing that you did." Um, if it's somebody who you've reached out with before or never reached out before, you can find a point of common ground, and you can internalize that point from common ground. So that when you reach out for them, that you you are interested, and it's it's the same as if I were to say, you know, hey Russ, I I saw you post something on Facebook the other day, and it was just so heartwarming. It was beautiful, and it it just reminded me uh, of how much I like you and why I like you. Okay. So I want to reach out to you, and I just wanted to I just wanted to give you a little love. Thank you for that. You know, it really made my day. Okay. That way of starting a conversation with you changes everything right yeah you know i i'm showing up and i'm doing it, it i'm doing it real i'm doing it authentic and we're talking about something that's valuable that same thing works with every company because companies are just people mm -hmm. you know they're people who want to believe that they're doing a good thing for those of you who are readers you know um there's a how to win friends and influence people everybody oh. <laughs> everybody feels good about it yeah and then the uh, second corner that I would say is a huge important is the role that you put people into. A lot of people, they, they put potential sponsors on such a pedestal, they'll open a conversation. I know you're an important person and you're really really busy, but I just need five minutes of your time. Well, I just cast you into a role. Uh, and that role I cast you in was a busy person with an inflated ego because I told you you were important. And I'm doing it out of respect to you, but 
you're and you're receiving it that way to some extent but really you're accepting the fact that i am telling you you're in this world where you're busy and you don't have time for me and you're just too important for me versus if i get on the phone with you and after telling you the reason why we have a relationship why why we're together i cast you in a role where i say and by the way russell i just i got to say i know all the companies you engage with are just as professional as you are and just as philanthropic and i love that about you well, you're not going to tell me that I'm a liar. You want to be that superhero, right? That's the role that I've cast you in, but you resonate with that. And unless I give you a reason not to, you're going to play in that field. And once you've got a relationship with somebody because you've found common ground and then you've immediately followed it up with the role that you want them to play, you're already halfway through the conversation that you need to have with the sponsor. Mm-hmm. You can literally move straight from there to, to what I refer to as the remind step where you essentially tell people what you're up to or why they're on your radar. Usually people have an idea if you already know them, you know, especially if they're in your local community. Uh, if they're a Coke or somebody like that, you've got you've to kind of tell them why you should be on their radar. But reminding them why you're talking to them and reminding yourself, if you only had one bullet point to say everything that you needed to say, what would that one bullet point be? You know, you don't have that much long, you've, but you've got, a, you've got a relationship with them and they're a superhero, so they're going to listen to why you're there and definitely don't dolphin them. Just one, one bullet point. Mm. And then make your request. And your request doesn't have to be hard. You know, that's your fourth, that's your fourth mm. kind of building block. Your request doesn't have to be sponsor my event or will you sponsor my event. It can be something as a, a curious question as I refer mm. to it, which is anything like um, can you give me guidelines that you – can, can you give me the guidelines to which you use to determine what you sponsor or uh, how do you sponsor events like what I'm doing? Or do you sponsor charities in your company or how do you determine one of my favorites? How do you determine what you sponsor or donate to? That's a direct request question. It's not a hard ask, but it's close enough there that you can follow it up with one. And they're going to, they're the, if you don't give them a reason to dislike you, they're going to continue liking you all the way through your question, they'll answer your question, you'll have more information, and then you'll be able to make an actual decision together, collaborative closing, you know, collaboratively figuring out how to engage with each other and whether or not you can even benefit them. And don't feel bad if you can't benefit them because they might still help you anyway, one. And two, they might know somebody that's more your speed or is in your area. All these people have alliances and partners and groups. So there's no... There's no problems with saying, you know what, uh, I got to say, based on our conversation, I know what you're looking for. The ROIs you're looking for are a little bit higher than mine. I do have a sponsorship level that fits that. But, you know, first off, does that work for you? And when they say, or if they say no, then you go, fantastic. You know, it was really great to, to talk to you. Do you believe in our cause? Do you believe in what we do? Yeah. And if they say, yeah, I think it's a really great thing that you're doing. Like, great. Do you know anybody else? that you can put me in touch with in my area. And I can't tell you how many sponsorships we've gotten just because we were willing to ask that question, not just be like, give me your money 10 minutes in, 10 minutes off the phone. You know, yeah, you can definitely set all your appointments in a five to 10 minute time, you know, slip past any gatekeepers and all of that. No problem, especially if you're genuine and authentic. But you'll probably be on the phone with them 30 minutes to an hour to get a close or to the person who's going to give you money. You know, excellent, excellent. Those are all very good points. Um, so, my next question is: Where do you see organizations of all types needing the most work to improve their relationship building skills? What are, What are some of the common weak areas you see? Mm, for certainly, I think that people don't don't look at things like ROI enough, um, you know, how they're actually able to help people, like help the, the sponsors that they're going for. Uh, but honestly, I think the biggest, the biggest issue is how their team relationship is, mm. you know, using the same, the same four block method, the four R method, it can be used to speak to, you know, internal team management, asking requests from their own team members. Usually to be honest, and I see this all the time, the people that the charity or the organization need to reach out to, mm-hmm. literally the board members have access to, and they're unwilling to give up 
those relationships just yet because they, they're like, you know what, this organization just isn't tested enough yet. Or, you know, I don't really feel comfortable reaching out to my friend who's a lawyer who I know can drop 10K on this and we only needed five. You know, we only needed 5,000 because we were just doing this little small thing. But again, I do know that lawyer who could do that thing who would happily give me the money, but I don't really feel comfortable reaching out to him yet. So you end up with, you end up with a lot of internal, um, internal difficulties because people aren't building relationships inside their own company mm. and with their board. Well, that's a huge problem. It's one of the things that I, I had mentioned earlier was that the expectations that you have when you're building that team internally mm -hmm. are pretty critical. And, uh, you know, it, that sounds like a, a complete lack of trust. And so uh, something, something is, is clearly wrong right off the bat, I think, if, uh, if that comfort level is, is missing. And, you know, the, really the reason that we, we look for different people on board so that people are sought out uh, is because of the credibility. It's because of the knowledge that they have. And these are people with leadership skills that the nonprofit's looking for to help build that credibility, to help put those systems in place, to make it stronger. And so uh, it's kind of mind boggling that they would withhold uh, that type of support because if you, if you, uh, if you had that sort of struggle, it's, well, it's, it's uh, I, and I wouldn't even say that it's, it, you know, it's an intentional or malicious action mm -hmm. either. For example, uh, out of Chicago, uh, Desmond, uh, Desmond Clark, former NFL tight end, you mm -hmm. know, very famous individual, very new to the game. You know, he didn't, he doesn't know a lot of this stuff, but he's definitely one of our, our favorite clients. He's an awesome guy. All of his team, beautiful people, just really heart forward, helping a lot of people out of Chicago. And one of the biggest things that he didn't realize from an edu from just uh, a standpoint was how to pass off those leads. Mm -hmm. And so he would sit home at night and he would say, you know what? I need to, I know I need to pass this person off to Ryan. I know I need to pass this person off to his team. I need to pass this person off to his team. And he would get so in his head about it. He wouldn't actually take the action because he'd still be trying to populate and aggregate the data inside his own mind of how do I, how do I best do that? Um, you know, I don't want, I don't want, I, if anybody don't want to be the person who screws up the deal when I pass it over to the sponsorship team, whether or not, you know, and I don't even like in his case, he knows that we're competent and that we, we know what we're doing, but especially if, you know, you've got a new team or untested people, um, you can be very concerned about how you're going to damage your own relationships. And it's not even necessarily like I trusted you enough to get married to you, to get in business with you, but Maybe I've got like these few people that I know could probably make a difference, but you know, they're my people, you know? Yeah. So. And, 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 uh, Doyle Davis made a really important point. Uh, he said, he, yeah, because he asked, he says, isn't it all a learning curve for mm. commerce? And that is, I mean, to get that comfort level and well, uh, yeah, maybe somebody got a board member that's not necessarily directly. Uh, but came on board because a friend of theirs that's on the board told him to come on. So um, um, that's a, and uh, ah, so yeah. On uh, on question one, uh, we got uh, at Midas uh, Nonso. Uh, their answer to question one is that they end up losing focus on their main target. Or better still, lack of team cohesion, and that that uh, that response came in from from uh, Twitter chat. So on the nonprofit chat, so it is. Yeah, it's very easy to lose sight of, of what you're doing. So uh, that's that's pretty important to keep in mind too. Well, to speak to the point right before that, as far as the learning curve, you know, we'll say that. Some of, the, some of the biggest names in the sponsorship industry, right? IEG, uh, which is the people who own sponsorship.com, right? You know, for them to consult you, which is where they started. They actually didn't start as a sponsorship raising company. They started as a sponsorship consulting company. Okay. Uh, what they would do is they would just teach people what they felt that people needed to know. Okay. And um, hiring them is still about 30 grand. Mm. So uh, plus, plus some commissions usually. So in those situations, and again, wonderful people, 
you know, high quality, make no mistake, great people. But a lot of people can't afford that right out of the gate or are unwilling to spend that at their stage or, you know, especially if you're going to spend money really quickly um, from your, from your donors and, and for what have you, um, you just won't ever be in a state to really just drop 30 grand out of nowhere to purchase somebody like an, an IEG, which I think that, uh, you know, I think that that doesn't really help people in becoming very heavily educated. Oh, um, yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, our next question, uh, what are things you see organizations who want to support nonprofit, nonprofits uh, having the most difficulty finding? Because uh, mm. it, it, it's, it's just as difficult, if not more difficult sometimes, giving money away mm -hmm. uh, in conversations I've had with, with, non, uh, with foundation uh, people, people who sit on grant review panels, and uh, these folks sometimes find themselves pulling their hair out trying to find projects that have all the ingredients. But what, what are some of those ingredients that... that you find that they look for? For sure, definitely sustainability is one of the biggest ones I run into a lot. You know, um, there's so many people with a handout that are not sustainable and have no idea how to get sustainable that are, are always, always asking, you know, how, how can we find more people that know what they're doing? Essentially is what it comes down to. How do, how do we find people that we know that if we give them money, you know, the their marketing and their social media and all that are going to be good enough that it's going to fill the ROI quota so that we, because we have to spend this money. Most of them have a, a limited a budget that they have to spend or they lose anyway, and they don't get it back next year if they don't spend it. So they, they're just always trying to find what's the maximum impact they can do emotionally and financially at the same time. So a, a strong, sustainable business is definitely the first one. And then um, in a weird sense, the second one is somebody who can physically accept the money because a lot of the, the greatest causes that, um, they run into the people who are being really aggressive talking about their causes and charities, they actually aren't formal 501 C3s yet. Mm -hmm. And they don't have somebody who can even accept the money on their behalf while it's being funded. <laughs> You've got a lot of great people with great ideas, but that haven't actually gone through any of the business steps to be able to accept the funds. So you've got people who are like, Oh man, I would give money to that. And they like, you know, what's your 501 C3, you know, give me, give me, give me all your, your, your information. And they're like, Oh, well we haven't started that yet. And they're like, ah, uh, okay. And so, yeah, in response to that question, we got uh, Novell city chamber at Novell city on Twitter. The response mm. was uh, the value in some nonprofits deliverable. Mm. And so, you know, they don't think in terms of uh, necessarily in terms of deliverables. That's uh, true. When you, when you talk about goals, well, you know, the, the main thing that nonprofits are doing as well as business, is you're trying to get results. So if you're talking in terms of everything that you, you present or that you achieve is actually a deliverable. And this is what sponsors are looking for. This is what people actually fund you. I recommend that every charity, every sponsor, or every, first off, every sponsor, every charity, anybody who's involving themselves in sponsorship, event management, charity, corporate, anything, uh, donations, any of the different uh, different areas in which somebody would ever deal with sponsorship dollars or donation dollars, I always recommend that they look at other people's sponsorship decks. And the reason for that is because nobody, and I say nobody, but I mean, I, I literally mean probably 90% of people have no idea what's supposed to go inside the sponsorship packages, like what a silver, gold, platinum title sponsorship looks like, you know, what, what different things that people should be offering. And the reason for that is probably because it's so open, like you can literally give anything, whether it's a VIP a uh, bag or reception or booths or banners, but you know, probably the masters of that are um, as well music events. Music events usually have some of the best time honored sponsorship packages. Mm -hmm. um, but there are, there are so many different things that you can give from awards to otherwise 
that people just don't think about. So they'll say, Hey, you know, give me five grand and they go, great. You know, I'm not, I'm not against that idea. You have a great cause. What do we get out of that? You know, what kind of, what kind of bennies are we getting? You know, what are, what's going to matter? Why is this going to matter to, to my people? Yeah. So how would, how would you tell people that don't have any knowledge? Uh, where would you send them to get basic knowledge of the type of research that has to be done? Well, um, I, so there's, there's a, there's a probably three different areas they could get it. Um, Roberto Condelaria, who is a wonderful gentleman. He wrote the book relationships raise money, which is an incredible book. He's a colleague of mine, a dear friend, amazing, beautiful, warm heart, great guy. And I definitely recommend every single person on my team has purchased a copy of his book and read it. So if you're a book reader, you know, he, I know he does some free training webinars every now and again, and uh, I definitely encourage that. That's definitely a great place to go. Um, on our resources with all of our, you know, our knowledge, we actually have a lot of sample decks and stuff like that. And we've actually just started a project. The website will be up, I believe, first thing tomorrow, uh, the 11th hour sponsorship. It's for people who either want their entire dream, like trained, you know, we're doing, we're training people's entire teams because we just have, we end up with so much work. We want to help more people, but it's impo improbable for us to just take on that many employees in order to handle the amount of work. So we created a program called 11th hour where we will train other people's uh, decision makers or manager and then members of their team in sponsorship. And then of course there's the industry leader, uh, AG sponsorship.com you're going to spend again around 30 grand and uh, they'll consult you not really train you but you won't really have to do a whole lot of the work yourself so depending on what your price point is and what you're looking for you know those are three different options if you want somebody to body the work for you ig if you want uh if you want a book that you can pick up right now and start reading you can buy it on amazon um you know relationships raise money roberto candelario you can't go wrong uh, alternatively, if you want somebody to come in and train your whole team, we'll, we'll do that for you. That's wonderful. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I'd like to drop your, if you can drop your uh, address in the chat so that people know how to get that, uh, sure. uh, that would be helpful. And so, yeah, Roberto Condelaria, I've attended some of his sponsorship boot camps and that's mm -hmm. wonderful. Yeah. So that information on training the whole team is is something that's of interest to everybody. So if you if you drop your web address in the chat so that folks can reach out to you, that that would I know. Be, yeah, I know that we are actually uh, we just took the website down to update it for this, and unfortunately, it won't be populated when people are listening uh, to this. Um, but it should be up first thing tomorrow morning so depending on when they watch this it'll be up i definitely posted my email yeah. on there the the info at learn sponsorships.com um you'll it'll it's literally learn sponsorships.com so um it will be up it will be up very shortly awesome you know i'll be talking with roberto candelaria next week on the nonprofit culture success broadcast what an amazing person he's, he's uh yeah it's it's wonderful stuff but yeah as far as going out and coming out to to train your team so I don't think that's something that he's doing but it's really important there's a whole science around that and you, you guys have, have got uh, really got a, a great system in place and you can actually come out and help people systematize that and it's one yeah. thing to learn it but when you're especially when you when you need to do something quickly that takes things to a whole new level and so the, the type of training and the type of stuff that you guys are doing is just really dynamic and it, it's uh, fantastic. And so, yeah, but it's all about that value. And so the, the nonprofits have to learn to talk about uh, their value. And, and that's something that I, I think you can help them with. And it's really, that's, that's, the, that's the tough thing uh, is having that conversation and pulling it out of them because they don't always know uh, what they offer and how valuable it is. But, you know, you are bringing value and you're there to partner with it. So it's really understanding uh, the language for the people that you want to get to support you, whether they're in your organization or 
outside of your organization to to garner that support and, and just couch it in terms of value um, that would mean something to them. And so uh, be, gotten, <laughs> sorry about that. Huh. Be as interested in your sponsors as you would as if you were going to get married to them. Ask them all the same questions. What do you like? You know, what are your favorite foods? You can't go wrong with some of the most basic human questions. The most basic human questions. Understand that, that if, if these people sponsor you, you don't want them just once. It's not just about the now. You, you have to plant the seeds because you want them to sponsor you every event, every year, every time. You don't want it to even be a question. You want to be able to say, hey, you know, what are you doing on Tuesday? I'd like to go out to dinner with you. And then you go out and you have a great dinner and they say, you know, you know I know that my sponsorship's coming up here again. You're like, you know, always thank you for it. I appreciate it. Please, you know, please continue to do that. And uh, but this, this night's all about us. You know, you should be able to have a real relationship with them from human to human. And it is. It's not just about a one-off. It's not thinking of it the same way you think of a grant proposal. What you're thinking about is building that long-term relationship. And it's really almost a mistake when it even comes to grants to think of it as a one-off because you want to, and oftentimes when you're building that relationship, start small, but look at going back to, to partner with them. And, and so I'm once these funders find people that they resonate with who are getting good results, they just want to keep working with them because they know they're getting good results. And so, uh, you know, I, I wanted to kind of wrap it up and put a nice little bow on it by by asking that that advice. And, and you just really just covered it because the question I was going to ask was what advice would you give to nonprofits mm. for more funding and support to be better partners. And you answered that question without me even asking it. <laughs> Unless there's something else you want to add, but I think you covered that masterfully without me even asking. <laughs> I think that I, I think that you actually said something that's that's very profound in there that you slipped in that said that you think it's even a mistake inside grants. And I would say that if relationships didn't matter in grants, lobbyists wouldn't exist. You know, there's not a single drop of money that is touched that a relationship does not enhance, change, or determine where that money goes to. So always, you know, ask, ask what I feel are the important questions. Ask somebody what their favorite color is. They're going to be professional. Absolutely. Let them be professional. You know, if you can get somebody at an event where you're able to have fun and maybe drink or have dinner or whatever, Cool. Do that too. You know, go out to the networking events, go out to the locations where you're going to meet people. Most people like to stay indoors and try to figure it out because social media is so accessible. It's not as authentic and not as strong of like you can have a much wider net, but you need depth when you're raising money, especially for your, your charities, your nonprofits, you need to go meet your chamber of commerce. They will help you. You need to go to the networking events. You need to go on meetup.com. You need to go on opportunity.com and find where these people are, where they're hanging out. You need to look for the local country clubs. Look for the people who have the money that you're looking for and look for what they're interested in. Once you have the same interests as them, they will feel aligned to you. If everybody around you, if you're in Ocala, Florida, which is horse capital of the United States, yeah. you're going to want to be in horse clubs because that's where everybody, horses are expensive. Yeah. If, if you want to be around people who have money, go find dog parks because statistically, this is no knock against cat people. Statistically, dog owners have more money. It's a statistic. It's just a mathematical thing. Look for the people who are actually going to have you know, financial aptitude and find out what they're interested in. Be friends with those people. Yeah. And to piggyback on that, you, when you start talking about people in the local area, and here's the thing. There are so many small family foundations right here in Colorado. There are a lot of, you've got small businesses all over the place and everybody wants, wants the elephants. Everybody wants to hound Home Depot or Walmart or Target or, or, or BBVA Compass Bank. They're elephant hunters. But you're missing some opportunities to the right in your own backyard these are people that are going to be a whole lot more likely to know about what you're doing, 
and they're gonna so your your chances of making a connection and there's that common connection they're more familiar with the population so uh you know starting small and and getting people who might recognize what you're doing uh, it's not a bad thing. It's a great place to start and build that momentum and get those small successes. And so the last thing uh, that I'd like to kind of ask before we close is what advice would you give to businesses, donors, or other funders who are looking for, for projects to support to help them uncover some hidden gems that might be out there? Mm. Mm, that's an ex excellent question. That's actually one of the, the reasons why we have so many, so many clients because of how we treat the sponsors. We actually treat the sponsors as if they're our customers. Okay. What I would say is probably the most effective route for that is to build a list. And what that list should include is the list of, uh, okay, it's a reverse way of doing it, but this, this applies to both sides. Build a list of who's spending money where. Because usually, especially in the charity world, and in this charity world specifically, if you build a list of the charities that you keep seeing, keep spending money for advertisement, and keep showing up, you will find the people who are interested in aggressively doing good. They're aggressively expanding. They're aggressively spending money. And if they are already you know, moving towards being successful or already appearing on your radar, they will either do one of two things very quickly. One, run out of money because they're being impractical and they're not successful. And you know that that charity will fail, unfortunately. That's the reality of the moment. Or two, that they know what they're doing and they're aggressively expanding and they're the best people to throw money at. So you look for who's aggressively expanding inside the category you're looking for usually like uh, banks for example or local credit unions are a great sponsor by the way local credit unions love to sponsor things they will look for people who are doing like financial literacy maybe something they can help for something related to colleges somewhere where they can acquire new people right and so then a credit union is going to look for amongst the charities in that category sometimes they'll post it on twitter or something like that i, I literally have made that connection through just random Twitter postings, they, they will look and they will say, okay, of the people in Chicago in financial literacy, who's spending money? That person's spending money. They've been spending money for six months. They clearly have access to funds or other people are betting on them. It's a reasonable engagement for me to bet on them. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah, it's all about relationships uh, uh, and you know, it works two ways. So that mm -hmm. money, uh, any 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 program manager that consistently yeah, gets to the end of the year and has a lot of money left in the kitty is probably in just as much trouble as the the development director that comes up with goose eggs at the end of the year too. There's pressure on both sides, and uh, everybody wants to make impact. Uh, Ryan Donaldson, it's been a very short hour. Uh, and we did have a few, we did have a few uh, uh, glitches on the front end. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Doyle Davis, Karen, Sandy Birkenmeyer, uh, and our other panelists who weighed in. And as always, our, our audience of folks out on Facebook and Twitter, uh, this broadcast will also appear in the Nonprofit Exchange, which is the podcast version. Uh, of this program, and that'll be available in a few days so that you can listen in your car, listen to it again and again. I love doing this program because I learned so much from uh, all of the people that that show up and, and share with us and, and from uh, panelists like you, Ryan. It's, it's, been a, it's been a great pleasure. So again, I just want to shout out that email address because uh, uh, this training that's going to be coming up uh, so that you can get a hold of uh, Ryan. At, you know, email him at info at learnsponsorship.com for this team training, uh, 11th hour. 11th hour is something that I think a lot of people are going to need because, I mean, the general consensus or the general thought is that if you don't have a, at least a year to plan it, 
you're dead in the water for sponsorship. And R&R &R resources are turning that whole theory on its ear. But it has to be done. It has to be done the right way. And you guys are the folks to call for that. So uh, thanks again. Uh, again, a shout out to our regular host, Hugh Ballou, uh, who is at the, uh, he's down in Melbourne at the Business Acceleration Summit, another one of Shannon Gronich's uh, wonderful events. They're doing great things down there with mentors and authors and all sorts of folks there. So sending a shout out to them. Thanks again to all of my folks here uh, on Facebook. Uh, um, and here are panelists, Sandy, Karen, Doyle, Davis. Thank you all for joining us. Ryan, it's been a pleasure. I uh, look forward to seeing you again very soon. And to all of you folks out there, this is Russell Dennis uh, signing off at the nonprofit chat uh, brought to you live here on Facebook and on Zoom by a webinar. We'll be back again next week with another great guest uh, to talk about how we can help support you to build a high-performance nonprofit and get out there and make measurable differences in the lives of people around you. This is Russ Dennis signing off. I look forward to seeing you all next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.